Greg Popovich. Played very well tonight. Great team defense. Did a good job. Kobe Bryant. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Hey, football fans, the moment you'll all be waiting for all season is right around the corner, and DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55, is bringing back their golden ticket giveaway with up to $55 million in prizes up for grabs. All you got to do is get your share of these huge prizes and enter DraftKings' free Super Bowl Prediction Challenge. Once you submit your picks, you will get a free instant prize of up to $25,000. And if you have the most predictions correct, you can win the top prize of $1 million. So do me a favor, download the DraftKings app now, use the promo code WMVP to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl Prediction Challenge. Everyone gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing. So use the promo code WMVP now and enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms, conditions, and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Thank you so much for downloading the podcast, whether it is on Spotify, when you look up Under the Hood Basketball Podcast, or right here on the Cap and J-Hood feed. The podcast feed. And uh, if you are someone that is not familiar with this, hey, we give you basketball content, whether it's the NBA, college basketball. If you love your hoops, I got you. The Under the Hood Basketball Podcast on Spotify. There might be a few extra, uh, a few nuggets on the Spotify and on the Cap and J Hood Podcast feed. If you're a Bulls fan, if you love the NBA, you love college basketball, I got you there as well. Now, Our previous episodes, we talked about the passing of Kobe Bryant. One year ago this week, we lost the great Kobe Bryant of the Los Angeles Lakers. He and his daughter Gigi, as well as others on that um, that helicopter. And so we heard from Jim Beheim, head coach for Syracuse, Shanae Gumake, part of ESPN Radio, also a WNBA superstar. And um, I gave my reflections a year ago this week regarding the passing of Kobe Bryant. So if you have missed that, go back in the archives. Look for the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast on Spotify or right here as well on the Cap and J Hood Podcast feed. We're going to hear from Nick Friedel, who covers the NBA out uh, in the Bay Area. We'll get his thoughts about everything across the NBA, including the Bulls, what's going on with uh, the Western Conference, and so much more. First and foremost, let's talk about the Bulls because the Bulls uh, fell short. And, of course, because of COVID-19 protocols, the Bulls have a lot of time off. They're supposed to play in the middle of the week uh, against Memphis, so that was postponed, obviously. But the last game that the Bulls played was against the Boston Celtics. And it's very difficult on all basketball players, clearly, because it's different, right? There, are, You and I are not there at the arena, Right? There, there are no fans at these arenas. And the thing is, is that you, it's hard to determine what home court advantage is for anyone. 
outside of just saying, hey, I live in Chicago, and so if I play at the United Center, I can get a chance to go home. I live in Los Angeles, and so I just get a chance to go home if we're playing at Staples and so on and so, on and so forth. But I just was dismayed by the Bulls' effort against the Celtics. So they lose the game 119 to 103. And a couple of things stood out to me. Just the idea that the Bulls allowed so many open looks from three. The Celtics shot 51% from three, 15 for 29. And so there's a lack of defensive effort there as the Bulls were, again, over 100 points, 119. The other thing is, y'all, is that I, I'm watching the Bulls and I'm watching Zach Levine struggle, uh, you know, to try to get others better. And like Levine had 30 points and he had three assists in the contest. Now, again, I don't expect him to be Russell Westbrook and giving a triple double every night. But Zach is doing all he can offensively. And it's like he scores 30. And he's like, that should be enough. But then he's got to do the work of others, too. And whether that's unfair or not, that's kind of where the Bulls are right now because I know Zach can score. Um, if you listen to this podcast, you know I was able to team with Reggie Theus, the former Bull. He went through the same thing with a, an average or below average Bulls team where he was scoring every night. And he talks about it on this podcast. You can go back in the archives and hear our conversation. We did a show on Sirius XM NBA radio this past Saturday night. And we talked about it like he's got to carry the load. And so Kobe White uh, did not have a good night. You know, he had five points, two for six from the field, 24 minutes. It wasn't like he was in foul trouble. He just didn't play well. And so I'm looking at this lineup, and I see the, the rookie Williams only had a couple points. You know, Gafford did not score. A lot of the bench veterans came through. But this team should not be about Otto Porter and it should not be about Young or Sadoransky or Temple. It's about these young guys because that's really supposed to be the future of this basketball team. So I was a little dismayed by the, the effort by the Bulls uh, in that regard against the Celtics. So we'll see if they could turn it around here pretty soon. But I know there's going to be growing pains. I've said this many times already this season that there's going to be some teams that the Bulls are just not ready for. I'd love to see a surprise, like, for instance, against the Trailblazers coming up on the 30th of January. That'd be nice to see the Bulls be able to get it done at home against Portland, a, a good Portland team uh, that has a lot of shooters. Um, but this is about development, but I'd like to see the Bulls be able to get it done like from the foul line. They got out-rebounded, and, and you're minus 10 on the foul line. Like, okay, there are no fans, but you're at home, and you can't just settle for just lightly putting the ball up at the rim. I want the Bulls to go through defenders and draw fouls and get and ones and be more aggressive. I want just Sadoransky and, and Kobe like dance around the rim and not get to the basket. I understand what this season is, but good habits are good habits, and the Bulls have to do that. Uh, Billy Donovan, the head coach for the Bulls, with more. Yeah, I mean, I probably need to look at that. Um, you know, obviously, I try to evaluate everything. Um, you know, the, the the one thing about you know Patrick being a rookie and and, and that starting lineup, Zach's been in the league for a while, but the rest of that group is very, very young. Um, you know, Op and and Garrett and Thad are you know guys that have been around. You know, Denzel's been around. Um, you know, the, the hard part is, you know, you start those guys, the game becomes a lot longer, you know, for them. And I don't want to, you know, put them in a situation, you know, certainly for as long as they've been in the league where the minutes night in and night, night out are, are out of control for them. And then they become less productive or effective 
Um, it is good. The fact that we know we can go to our bench and our bench generally kind of writes the ship for us and they do a pretty good job of, of, um, you know, uh, just kind of maintaining some calm and some peace and some order there. And we can kind of gather ourselves and we, we generally can, can manufacture, generate good things on offense. And, you know, they're crafty enough on defense. Um, but you know, those guys have done a really good job for us and, you know, we, we need them, but at the same point too, I think it's really hard to start playing some of those guys, you know, in the mid to high 30s on a nightly basis. Why do you think uh, Kobe struggled as, as bad as he did tonight? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, you know, he didn't take a lot of shots tonight. Um, I think he's trying to r run the offense and, and do the things we're asking him to do. You know, I've said this, you know, about Kobe. Uh, you know, he's a shooter, you know, and, you know, I, I, a lot of times – you know, sometimes people say, you know, score, but, you know, when, when you're looking at guys that are really, really, you know, high level scorers, they generally do it, you know, in, in three different ways. You know, they do it from shooting it. They do it from the mid, well, four ways, you know, they do it the mid range. They do it in the, at the rim and they get fouled at an elite level, you know, and, you know, I think for Kobe, when he gets freed up where he can get to his jump shot, that's where generally he, you know, is really, really most productive and effective. Um, I thought tonight his drives were good. I thought he had a couple that I thought he would have been able to finish that he didn't, but I thought the drives he took were good. Whereas I thought maybe against the Lakers, he had some, some charges coming downhill, you know, at the bigs and trying to shoot over the bigs. But um, like I've said, I think there's a balance for him in terms of himself and running the team. And there's going to be obviously a, a growing period for him. Um, he's a great guy to coach and a great guy to work with. Um, you, you know, when you talk to him and you show him things, he's always trying to get better and improve in those areas. So he's, he's been terrific, but you know, I think so much of his evaluation of as a player has been, let's look all the way down at the end of the box score and see if he scored any points, you know, and I think there's a lot more to him than, than that. And I have no problem with him scoring at all. You know I mean? We, we, we can always use it out of him, but, you know, he's got to do it, you know, by being efficient. And I think for the most part, he's, he's understanding, you know, where and when, you know, his shots are and like, listen, teams know he can shoot. And the next iteration for him is when teams are flying at him, when he gets into the teeth of the defense, does he shoot a runner? Does he pull up? Does he pass? I think those are the things that, that he's continuing to, to learn and grow in. I really like when Billy Donovan is able to talk the game. And again, it's all about wins. It's about trying to get better as a basketball team. But I, I like when we can get long form question and answer from Billy Donovan. And the point guard spot, the lead guard spot is something that's very vital for this team. We know that Kobe can score, but can he lead at the same time? I'm going to call Nick Friedel from ESPN.com and get his thoughts about everything else around the NBA, the Bulls, what's happening out west, and everything else. Uh, settle in for our conversation. Nick Friedel is going to join us uh, from San Francisco. And there he is, Nick Friedel, covers the NBA for ESPN.com, joining us here from the Bay Area. Hello, Nick. My man, how are we doing? Good, man. Let me ask you a question. How many different colors and uniforms and gear do the Warriors have? I Not mean, enough because they just want to sell as much as they possibly can. I mean, come on, Nick, come on now. Now at the Chase Center, did I just not watch a home game? Is that Oakland in the middle of the floor? 
at the Chase Center? What does that say? Yeah, it's Oakland. It's and in San Francisco, several, though. As, well, and as several people have pointed out to me, Hoodie, <laughs> the, the Warriors didn't like to publicize uh, the Oakland part so much when they were in Oakland. But now that they're out of Oakland, hey, we're Oakland teams, too. <laughs> so, I don't it's understand. All, it's all about the, uh, the almighty dollar. And I, I do think the players and the coaches and lots of staff members have that a true connection. And Stephen Draymond and Steve Kerr have said as much in the last few weeks that it means something to them to wear that jersey. But as far as seeing it now a few games in a row and having people text me and be like, Oakland, aren't they in San Francisco? Yes, they are. They're just they're trying to to sell, sell, sell with those those jerseys, which are pretty cool. You know, that's ridiculous. I mean, it just, and it kind of gives you that kind of like 90s feel, that type of lettering, the block lettering they have in Oakland. Like, are we going backwards now? Like going back to like 30 years? That's what it looks like. You remember where all the teams had the garish, you know, oh, big yeah. big block lettering? Are we going back to that, to that as a league? I don't think so. I think this is more uh, a, a throwback to that We Believe era. The, the Steven Jackson, ah. Matt Barnes, Baron Davis team yeah. that was so beloved out here. But uh, it, it will never cease to amaze me. I'm I, you know I'm flipping through the channels the other night. I've got, uh, I see the Magic game on and they're wearing like orange jerseys. And I'm like, what in the hell is this? The Magic are, look like the Suns now. So hey, to answer the question, Hoodie, anything's possible. And as, as far as the league can see dollar signs, that's where uh, they'll take this whole thing. Okay, last thing on the Warriors. I do ask, want to ask you about Wiseman because I thought at the time of the draft, I said wherever he lands, you know, I think that he could be a fit. And I was hoping he'd go to the Warriors only for, because of this, because of Steve Kerr, that coaching staff, Draymond stuff, that leadership. And he's fit in so nicely. You see him on a daily basis. What resonates most about his play? First and foremost, they absolutely love him. They love him. They love the idea that he, not only is the talent there, Hoodie, but he puts in the work. And you and I have seen plenty of rookies come through a lot of different places over time, and they're not willing to put in that work to take them to that next step. Mm -hmm. And all the Warriors keep saying is how much work he puts in, how much tape he's watching on the side, and they trust that he's going to get better and better over time. So that part has been critical in his early development, I think getting pulled out of the starting lineup has really motivated him. Kevon Looney's come in. They've had a couple nice wins, but it was against the Timberwolves, so they don't count for much because that team is terrible. But Wiseman has a lot of length. He, uh, he is very, very athletic. Every time I hear long and athletic, I think, oh, he's long, he's athletic. <laughs> and I hearken back to the old Tibbs days, but... I think Wiseman is going to be a fit here for a while. The question, as we play it out, is is Wiseman's growth and development going to fit in with the Warriors still wanting to contend for a title at the end of Steph's prime, getting Clay back next year, and where Draymond is at? And if the answer is yes, uh, then... They are really in uh, for a solid next couple of years. If the answer is no hoodie and Stephen Draymond at the end of the year kind of go, okay, uh, I don't know if he fits, 
and then maybe they do look to move him down the line, but I don't think that's the case right now. They genuinely love the way he goes about his work, and we've seen plenty of flashes where you go, how did all these other teams, notably the Timberwolves, uh, not have him all the way up at the top uh, because of the talent that he may grow into? Well, you don't let Carl Anthony Towns, someone who could leave in a, a year or two, dictate who you draft. Right, I mean, and if you're Carl Anthony Towns, you take the challenge of taking on that kid in practice or say, we could be a Twin Towers combo, Cat could be outside, Wiseman could be inside learning, and that's how you do it. Instead of just having a draft pick who's languishing on the bench, that's nonsense there with Edwards. Uh, Hoodie, we don't have enough time in this podcast to go off into all the directions that the Timberwolves have messed up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> over the, the last few years, but yes. specific to, to this move. Uh, I, I It just stuns me how much that this team has kind of just bent over backwards for Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, he is a really nice offensive player, and you look at the numbers and you say, wow, you know, he's he's really, really good. And... It's just that he's never turned into the kind of superstar player who makes everybody else around him better. And the idea that the Timberwolves have allowed Towns to dictate so much of what they've done for accomplishing so little still in his career is just stunning, frankly. Uh, And it's like fool's gold. You know, you think you have a star who is is going to be the focal point of everything you do. And you start looking around, it's like uh, Jimmy didn't fit, and and he didn't fit in large part because he didn't trust that Towns is going to put in the work. Mm-hmm. You got Andrew Wiggins the other night crushing the Timberwolves in his own way by saying the culture wasn't very good. Wow. And, and uh, the culture is much better in Golden State with the Warriors. So <laughs> what's the common denominator all along? It's... It's Towns, and for Gerson Rosas to, to take over and Ryan Saunders and for them to just continually kind of kowtow to, to Towns on, on every level, uh, given what he, his production has looked like and given the, the lack of wins they put up, is just stunning. It's another reminder, you know, if, if all things were equal, you can't tell me that if, if they just thought Wiseman was better and Towns wasn't there, that they wouldn't have picked Wiseman. But they did what they did, and, and here we are. So, Nick, I got a chance to host with a, a childhood favorite, Reggie Theus, right? Oh, Orlando Magic's own Reggie Theus. Yes. Buddy. When I was a kid, before Jordan was Reggie Theus, right? Rush, Rush, uh, you know, Rush uh, Avenue Reggie, right? Uh, <laughs> and so there he was. And, you know, this is a guy here that had for the fur coats and just like a woman on each arm. I mean, he, he was the guy, right? As I was a kid, I'm like, wow. And Reggie, the- I was able to work with him on SiriusXM. And if for those podcast listeners, you can go back in the archives and hear my conversation and the show I hosted on SiriusXM with Reggie. So obviously the nine-year-old Jonathan Hood was doing jumping jacks inside while, I, while the professional Jonathan Hood was like, Reggie, thank you so much for your time. Um, but, but, you know, what I related a story to him and, and he remembered when he came to the bulls, Nick, he was scoring, you can go back to the numbers, like 20, 23, 24 points a game on a losing team. That bulls team wasn't very good, but Reggie did it all. 
Reggie had the same experience in Sacramento, has some of that same experience in Atlanta. And so when I look at Reggie, I also I relate to what Bradley Beal's going through in Washington, right? He is leading the league in scoring on an awful team. And obviously the scuttle, but as you well know, is, okay, Beal's got to get out of there. And Beal's telling the D.C. press, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm happy here. I've got no problem. How, how do you read the Beal situation? Is he really happy or is he just looking to find the best team to get uh, his services to? Buddy, how could he be happy, first off? I mean, that team is awful and as loyal as he may want to be. The, the Wizards have been awful for a while. So my read on it is he's saying what he feels he needs to say publicly, but privately that, that, that losing is going to wear on you no matter who you are. You can't lose at that level when you're that talented and not look around and go, all right, is this the best place for me? So I, I have always loved Beal's game. I think that he would be a fit anywhere he went. And I'm curious as, as we, dial it back into where he may potentially land if he does uh, make it known down the line, at least that he wants out. Wouldn't he be the star that the Bulls are missing? I mean, wouldn't that be the guy that they could finally build around a little bit more? I realize that if they made that deal with what Washington would want back, there wouldn't be much around him. And in the short term, they would be the, the Wizards all over again, but you've got to remember the connection, the Florida connection with Billy Donovan. I mean, those two genuinely seem to uh, to like one another. Beal's always tweeting uh, different Florida and Donovan stuff over the years. And to me, when you look at the fact that the Bulls desperately need a star and the idea that Beal is that miserable, I, I don't know if Arturis and Eversley are going to take that kind of swing right now given where they're at but he would fit and fill that void of of them finally having that one guy to start building around i told reggie theus i said when i was seven or eight years old i had a poster of you on my wall and he said when i was seven or eight years old i had a, a poster of Farrell fawcett on his wall <laughs> so there's oh that. man <laughs> Well, oh, that. hey, you know, Reggie, I, I, I'll, give, I'll give Reggie this, Hoodie, over time. Reggie, Reggie never veered off that course because there was one thing that Reggie was even more famous for as you talk to people that were around during that era of the league, and that was that Reggie, Reggie always had, uh, always had some, some good company around him, as you mentioned. So <laughs> more power to him. I've been watching a ton of Lakers lately, and why wouldn't you, right? They're the champs. You want to find out mm -hmm. how this core works. So I've been seeing a lot of them. Um, saw their loss just recently against Philadelphia. I mean, that was really razor thin. Nick, what, what do you think of, of this Lakers team as far as their shelf life? Um, I'm still leaning Anthony Davis for MVP, but what do you think of the team overall so far? I think on the road especially, they've just been so, so solid. In Hoodie, it's a dangerous thing when you have a veteran team that has the level of confidence with which the Lakers seem to be playing with on a nightly basis. And Steve Kerr actually made a good point. when He said when you watch the Lakers on film, they look like kind of that that iteration of the Warriors when 
they had won all the games and you had KD and you go, well, nobody's going to beat us. And even if they get beat in a regular season game, which is going to happen over the course of any season, you know that when the playoffs get revved up that LeBron and AD are going to dominate the way they have. And if they pick up a solid performance or two from any number of the Kuzmas, the, the KCPs, uh, Gasol, Schroeder, whoever, mm-hmm. that they are going to be that same dominant team in the postseason. So nothing that I've seen as of now worries me that much, even in the couple losses they picked up recently, because when you watch the Lakers, you're not watching them so much through the lens of, oh, man, that was a, a rough loss to Philly. Uh, or, man, they, they just gave up in the second half and, and let it go against the Warriors on MLK night the other night. Mm-hmm. This is a team that is built for the postseason. I think that's where we'll see their best. Will the Clippers be as good or better than they were last year based on their roster and new coach? I think so. And if Kawhi is the type of star that you and I believe and know that he is, Hoodie, he is going to absolutely take it personally in the playoffs. That that team rolled over the way they did against Denver, and they just never got it together. So I still believe in the Clippers. I think that is, to me, the only team that's really going to push the Lakers when, when all the chips are down. Can they get over that hump? I think it's a huge mental hurdle, given all the expectations that went into last year and the way they folded in the bubble. But it all starts with Kawhi. Kawhi will set the tone for the rest of that group. Paul George has played well early. I I think they can do it, and I'm curious to see what Ty Lue does in those moments where they're going to need him, where it was clear that Doc could not light the fire the same way anymore for that team. Okay, here's an here. I need an honest answer, as you always give me. If you're in the front office of the Utah Jazz and you're the hottest team in the league, do you do you look yourself in the mirror and go, "Man, we're a really good, you know, NBA league pass team, but we're just not as good as the Clippers and the Lakers." Like, do you think that someone in that front office honestly says we're good, but we just don't have it? Because I look at them and I say. It would be great for a team like that to shake up the league. That's good. That's usually good. Denver and Utah are usually very good in the regular season. But do they ever look at themselves in the mirrors like, man, we just need that one super-duper star to push us over the top? I'm sure that's what they're doing right now. The hope, and that's all it is at this point, is that Donovan Mitchell in the postseason will lift his game to a a different level and and hoodie uh, that was essentially the message that Shaq was trying to get across the other night on inside the nba but he just did it in a way that turned so many people off and rubbed them uh, the wrong way it was just so clunky in the delivery <laughs> yes uh, but uh, when when you're the jazz and you're having all this early season success as somebody who has believed in the jazz uh, a, a lot in the last couple seasons as you look at that roster, I, I just I don't know if they have the star power, which always seems to be the question around them. So, uh, all you can do because I I don't know if like do you see a scenario where Utah can make some kind of compelling package for Brad Beal? Because if you put Brad Beal with with Donovan Mitchell and Gobert, well, well then <laughs> then there yes. there might be something. Uh, but I I don't know if you're giving up too much of your depth and the strength a huge strength of your team 
to land that other star. And I'm not even sure, Hoodie, we still don't know if Bradley Beal in that kind of scenario can be the type of difference maker that would take a team from, let's say in this case, a three or four seed to a team that could get all the way through the West and into the final. So uh, that conversation is ongoing. And if you're a jazz exec, I think the only thing you can do right now is just hope that Mitchell has, has changed his game to a point where he can lift everybody else up because unless you're willing to take that kind of risk, and land Beal, I'm not sure who else is out there right now that is going to take you from level one to level two. Um, you know, inside the NBA was once watchable, and then they signed Shaq to an extension. So, yeah. I just, I miss the three man days. Yes. Yeah, so do I. Ernie, Kenny, and the Chuckster. Yes. I, I, I've always liked Shaq, but I, I just, I loved the camaraderie that, that those three guys built up over time, and and watching that the other night, it, night it was it was just uncomfortable. Yeah, it's like what? Yeah, that 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 was what? not that was not Syracuse quality with that question. No, it, it just no. it just wasn't, man. It just you know that that was the best show on TV. That was the best sports show on TV. The three friends having fun with EJ, with Kenny and Chuck, and then Shaq is just heavy handed. I mean, if there's a way to say, hey, Donovan, I'm a big fan of yours. Is there any way to take your game to another level or you know, something like that, right? Just like, you it know. It just came off mean. mean. Yes. Is, if we're being honest, it was just straight mean when it didn't have to be. And you could tell, Hoodie, the, the, the most awkward part is Donovan Mitchell comes in there and he's kind of smiling. He's like, man, I just played great. Like, my team's running great right now. And then, boom, it was just a total, uh, total change. Lastly, and I appreciate your time, I just want to – I was going to do a separate podcast, but I think I should just talk to another friend about Sekou Smith. Um, you know, you could just tell the gravity of someone when you are getting wall-to-wall, coast-to-coast coverage on Sekou and people on social media that have interactions with Sekou and talking about the type of guy that he was um, over – Gosh, almost a 15-year stretch, Nick. I've had him on my shows, as you know. Coming on, you and I have talked to him on shows that we've done together. And to find out that he passed away, that was uh, very difficult for me, and I'm sure you as well. But it was just awful. It was really sad. I, my first thought was, thinking back to the times, you and I, in the very beginning, used to do a three- or four-hour Saturday afternoon Bulls NBA show mm-hmm. and repeatedly I can remember Sekou coming on and and we would have a, a long conversation then inevitably he'd have us laughing about something right, right. <laughs> and, and over the years as I got to know him a, a little bit more uh, going through Atlanta and seeing him he's just a good good dude he, he just he always had a smile on his face and this is one of those occasions, if you didn't know Sekou or, or you didn't follow him on a day-to-day basis like like a lot of people did around the league, this is one of those times where everything that people say, are saying, it's true. He was a genuinely nice man. He he always enjoyed a, a good time, and, and he kind of brought that happiness out in, in the people that he touched, so... That that is, I think, what all of us can strive for. Whenever that time comes, is that when people are asked about their memories of you, uh, 
that they're as genuine as they can be. And this is one of those times when you saw the the outpouring of love and sadness and grief that, that came out from all over that you mentioned. But Sekou was a genuine dude, and I will always appreciate that uh, about him. And I, I will always look back fondly on those times that... <laughs> We had him on on the show, and he was just <laughs> he was just having a good time talking talking about hoops. Well, my friend, uh, as always, I appreciate your time, and I'll be watching um, the Warriors to see how many different uniforms they're going to trot out there for the year. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, Yankees. I mean, all these quality teams. Just the one standard uniform, the one, and here come the Warriors. They're going to be in Aqua, I'm sure, the next game. Who knows? Whatever it takes, but but hoodie anything. As soon as you mentioned Cubs, you know what I went back to like those Star Wars jerseys when <laughs> in like in uh, a year ago when when they were in all whites at Wrigley. That the amount the thing that scares me with all these uniforms. Think about in pro sports how many people have to sign off on them. Yes, they have to sign off on. Oh, this looks good, and how many times that that. You see the the final product, and you go, "What in the hell is this?" So, uh, it it is what it is, and and as long as people are still buying all those jerseys, these leagues aren't going to stop. But sometimes less is more, and I wish every team would would hear that and understand that it's a players' league until you get to the uniforms, because <laughs> you know they're not signing off on that nonsense. Hell no. <laughs> hell no. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> Always, my man. Talk to you soon. As Daryl Morey is the wheeler and dealer you mentioned and can improve a team before a trade deadline or in the offseason. No, I think the 76ers are going to have a couple of times at bat here at the very least. No, I wouldn't say championship or bust. I'll still ride with them right now in the Eastern Conference. What? I picked them before. What? I picked them before the James Harden trade. I'm going to stay with the Sixers. What? Yes. What? And listen, Ben Simmons isn't even playing great yet. He's got room to grow this season, Stephen A. I'm what still has happened to you? Where's the Mike Wilbon I know love? Kevin Durant is in the Eastern Conference, he, yeah, averaging great. 30. The last person, James Harden's averaged 30 the last three years. He's in the East on the same team. And Kyrie Irving, arguably the third wheel, and you're saying the 76 is out of the East? Stephen A., I don't care about points scored. I care about games won, particularly in May and June, all right? And so I'm willing to go with Philly then. They've got the shooters now to surround Embiid. I mean, they got Shake Milton coming off the bench. I like what the 76ers are doing. And Daryl Morey, as you just said to him, not afraid to make a move before the trade deadline if he feels it's necessary. <laughs> Gotta love Stephen A. Smith and Michael Wilbon. On Stephen A. Smith on SportsCenter going back and forth. As Wilbon says, his favorite team out of the East this year will be Philadelphia with Doc Rivers. Well, we're going to see, right? We're going to see. Great to hear from my friend Nick Friedel. And boy, he really spoke well of Sekou Smith, who was a frequent guest on shows I've hosted for over 15 years. Man, he was with NBA TV. He was a great writer for NBA.com and just... If you just go on social media and just look for Sekou Smith, S-E-K-O-U Smith, man, you can't find a bad word said about him because he just loved basketball and loved people. And, um, boy, it was tough when I found out he passed away. And then the next day, I don't know what I sounded like on Captain J. Hood, but I couldn't stop thinking about him and his family. Uh, and Sekou and I are the same age, so obviously that hits home for me. But 
he was just a great guest and uh, rest in peace Sekou that, that uh, leaves a hole in my heart to know that he's no longer with us uh, as a terrific NBA journalist and was a great guest on, as I mentioned on shows that I hosted the clumsy segue to college basketball Friday night check out Illinois against Iowa Garza is the best player in college basketball will more than likely be the player of the year watch Iowa I'm looking forward to seeing what Illinois does against Garza in the on the inside he is a terrific player that's a must watch for me on Friday night what about Saturday Baylor who's undefeated 15 and 0 against Auburn who's 10 and 7 Baylor can they be the best team can they win it all this year and what about the Blue Blood programs? Kentucky's just done. Five and ten. And people in Lexington want Calipari out. Look, he's just having a down year. That's what happens. You have ones and dones. You don't know what you're getting from year to year. You hope to get to the tournament. But winning it all, that's never always guaranteed. So I've been watching a lot of Kentucky this year, even though they've been down. And Calipari, ugh, he went from like lumberjack like shirt to a suit and tie to a jacket and jeans. He's done everything he could to try to change up the mojo with Kentucky. They'll take on Texas and Shaka Smart, the resurgent Texas Longhorns. They're good. You know who's also good? Alabama. We know they're good in football, but they're very good in basketball as well. So what if you get a chance to watch Alabama on the college side? Very good. And on Sunday, Michigan State, they've had so many issues with COVID, with their head coach, um, with Izzo. I'll keep my eyes Sunday at noon central to watch Michigan State against Ohio State. So the Big Ten's always a, a dogfight for sure. And uh, I look forward to seeing some of the games on the college slate this weekend. Well, as always, this show is proudly sponsored by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Hope you get a chance to download the DraftKings app and check out what we've got going on DraftKings. Man. I'm going to be definitely using it this weekend for NBA and college basketball. As always, I appreciate your support on this podcast. Don't forget, we have our separate feed on this on Spotify. So please leave a review and make sure that you subscribe on Spotify or check it out right here on the Cap and J Hood podcast feed as well. Until next week, it's Jonathan Hood. Thanks so much for checking out the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queens Sportsbook. I love basketball. You love basketball. Keep listening. We've got more as we move forward throughout the seasons.